Hello and welcome to the 29th episode of the fourth season of the Plebs on Footy podcast. I'm your host, Roy O'Kane, and as always, I'm joined by Scott Fotheringham. Banjo, what an exciting time of year it is, Banjo. The uh, couple of cracking prelim finals. The great man, Nathan Fife, gets the brown low last night. Mm-hmm. Got uh, GWS to get excited about it. Only a couple of days till the uh, Josh Kelly party, Yes, Banjo. yes, yes. We can celebrate the future Norm Smith medalist himself. 100% Banjo. This is the first time all year I feel like <laughs> I have footy fever. Like, I'm actually so up and about. After the uh, game on Saturday, I was absolutely buzzing oh, it was for about so much fun. 48 hours afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> the first time all year, honestly, I forgot how much I loved footy, and it was great for it to be restored by uh, by the GWS. Really, really so. glad you refound your love of footy. Uh, we actually had a quite a fun experience at that footy. We went to, we went together to the second game, and uh, sat in the in a Collingwood's section, given the whole ground was, and had some yes. pretty amusing. Uh, performers in front of us yeah we had daniel andrews just a row in front of us yeah. he was a very passionate collingwood supporter i yes, don't think uh, I, qu- I quite realized probably that, does need it. to be stressed that it was a lookalike <laughs> and not daniel andrews himself <laughs> he did, because he uh he was carrying on <laughs> he did look a lot like daniel andrews uh, just but didn't he, quite have the hunch yeah he was uh he was absolutely fuming that man uh, mm. and then he, he went through little patches where he was just like a broken man and then he just got fired up again he just he sort of summed up the collingwood crowd for yeah. the day when they kicked like two goals in a row and like you're thinking you're still like four goals behind but yeah, he was you've just kicked four so for the match. up and about <laughs> he thought like we've won this now he was just absolutely firing away it was good fun to have a laugh at daniel and his uh younger mate in front of him. Was I highly doubt they knew, knew each other, Scott. No, they didn't, but they did see him <laughs> on the same page. We, we know that much, but it was a, it was a fun day at the footy band. It was good to enjoy football again. Yeah, oh, it was just so enjoyable watching Collingwood melt around us. It was just fantastic. But anyway, let's move on. Yeah, we've got some good footy to talk about, Banjo, so let's get into it as soon let's as we can. The uh, the first segment, Banjo, is Gold Jacket, Green Jacket. The uh, title of the segment, it Doesn't comes, feel from fair. The, comes from the line of Happy Gilmore, Gold Jacket, Green Jacket, who gives a shit. And we talk about the most meaningless games of the round, Banjo. Uh, look, probably the most stiff uh, Gold Jacket, Green Jacket of the year. It has Always to be is, said. isn't it? But having said that, it was an obvious one. So yep. we're giving it Richmond defeated Geelong by 19 points. So to those teams, we say... Gold jacket, green jacket, who gives a shit? I actually would have been interested if you'd done the objective uh, process and figured out the scores to see what they would have been. Yeah. They would have been pretty high scores. Yeah, I probably should have done that, actually, because the other game... I mean, this game, you could argue that... Quality of it. ...more relevant, the quality of it. You can't know. Everyone's a five if it's a prelim. There's yeah, no no fives. Yeah, I in guess a prelim. so, but in some ways this is a means more for the for the season because Richmond are probably the best team. I think you think you could argue that. Yeah, maybe because if they lost, yeah. I said after the game that I think that was the grand final, and uh, I don't know. I don't, don't feel too confident about that call now. But um, yeah, they were clearly the better. Like the higher bracket of the pre of the prelims, wasn't that? Yeah, look, this is easily the highest quality of game I've ever given Gold Jacket Green Jacket to. I got to say, it was a really good game. It was a cracker. Like I, I, I just burped. I did a little bit. You gave me a beer before the pint, Banjo. So uh, you're not Big helping gassy. me. But um, I, I really don't think Geelong could have played a lot better, particularly in the first. I've obviously dropped off. They just could have been time, a bit more ruthless. I, I watching the game though. I thought they were absolutely brilliant in the first half, yeah. and then after half time. 
It was, it, it, was a lot, it was a lot more about Richmond being really, really good. And they yeah. tried to stay in there. They kept they kept like sort of hanging in there as it went on. But in the end, Richmond were just were just too good, really. Like I just I feel like both teams played about to their best and Richmond are a better team and that's how it happened. Yeah, Geelong to win that game needed to take or make the most of their opportunities. And in the first half, they just didn't do that. The uh, Selwood missed, the Blixarves missed, Gary Ablett coming up short. Like There was just a lot of shots that they could have been real team lifters and really hammered their advantage home that they just didn't capitalise on. Yeah, having said that, though, like they did... It didn't feel like they were just well, well on top and just kept blowing chances and it got to half time and they should have been up by more. Like, they, they kicked a couple of late like ones. I feel like they should have been up by more, though. But, but they kicked a couple of, like, late, quick ones where it felt like, oh, okay, when it was, what was it, 21 points at half time, I felt like that yeah. was about where it belonged. I would have had a... Well, yeah, so that probably is where it belonged, but for Geelong to win is probably more yeah, the point. Yeah, they, needed, they to be, needed to be five goals up. That just basically up. says they needed to be perfect to win the game. But, like, their, their tackle pressure... Is that wrong? Well, yeah, perhaps <laughs> you, you, you could argue that, but their like their tackle pressure was as good as it has been all mm. year. They and were... importantly, they made Richmond miss on the other way. They yeah. broke so many tackles early. Quinton Narkel, I love that dude. Had had so many plays where he just seemed to create that extra bit of space. He'll develop into a really good player if he has the ability to consistently find the football because all the little things he does really well. Yeah, and that's a really good sign for him in a prelim that he can yeah. really put his hand up. The other one was obviously Grian, our boy Grian. He yeah, was uh, his third quarter was a bit. Ah, mm. oh, but he was getting involved. Like you have you have different standards about different players. Like when you're a champion you're, you're expected to be I the guy don't think it's excusable to turn the ball over because you half-ass a kick on the back flank that costs you a goal but, and then he had three different options running into a goal they were they were so out and he just blew it by panicking kicking long to but, the one contest but for a player effectively in his first year in a preliminary final the main thing you want to see is that they're not overwhelmed by the experience i think those were moments where he was overwhelmed oh, though. but he was absolutely brilliant early on and he got himself involved i agree with that but those him. moments yeah yeah look he made a couple of mistakes but i just think overall he had a great game i he was he, he had a great he game. was a positive overall but that third more quarter, than a positive he was very good yeah. he was one of the better players on the ground yeah, I think champion died at him as the sixth best player or something like yeah. that. And he was really good, but that third quarter, in the pivotal moment of the game, he probably was one of the big reasons Richmond got the run on they did. How dare you be negative about Grom? But what about the booing of him? That was what an ridiculous. absolute disgrace. Pooley punches him in the back of the head. He goes down because he got punched in the was, back of the head. It was in the throat. Yeah, and suddenly he's the bad guy. You know what should have happened? Basher Hooley shouldn't have punched him in the back of the head. Yeah, like I'm not so strong on that Hooley should have got suspended. I don't know where that really sits, but it definitely wasn't a dive. BT was absolutely losing his mind on TV. Oh, so how that. would they know? You do not have any idea how hard someone's hit someone off vision like if that. If you get any sort of a hit to the throat, it's going to shock you a little bit. It'll knock yeah. back. Like, and he wasn't he was particularly aware of it. It wasn't like it was in play or anything. I honestly think it should have been looked at a lot more than it was. They sort of just rushed it out. Yeah, They did it right before the uh, second game was going to start, so they knew no one would pay too much attention to it. It should have been a more closely examined thing. But that seemed to have been the perception around it, was that it was a dive and there was nothing in it. That's what a lot of people seem to be saying. But I think, God, it, I think it was a lot of people wanting to just brush it under the cover. Yeah, perhaps. perhaps. Yeah, it was a lot of people not wanting it to matter. And like that's fair enough. Bash is a really good footballer. It's a grand final. Do you want people missing for that? Is the thing that gets said over and over again. But 
just don't punch people. But look, moving on, uh, as we were, we were kind of on the topic of Geelong talking about players who played well. Uh, how strongly do you sit on the what a horrible decision it was by uh, Chris Scott having Blitzarves on a wing? Well, where, where do you sit on, sit on that? Because that's, that's the general consensus, yeah. is that it was terrible coaching. Like, I wouldn't have done it, and especially when Lynch started and kicked two goals in the first quarter, I think would have been a good time to move. But then the second quarter where they were pretty dominant, he was also on the wing. And I think it needs... every time, The entire time they were good and they were winning, which nobody expected them to, he was also on the wing. And I think it's a little two-faced to say that was the entire game. A lot of things went wrong for them. It wasn't a great call. I, I'm in that camp, but I don't think it was as egregious as a lot of people are making it out yeah. to be. I, I'm, I'm feeling very similarly to you on that. I... Look, like you said, if I were him, I would have played him in the back line because that's where he's played his best footy and his work this year. And he was probably just being a little bit too cute. But I understand it. Like, I very much, if you put yourself in his shoes, I very much understand. They lost their wingers. They were trying to feel like Mitch Duncan wasn't there. That's the guy that would be playing that role. But it wasn't just that. Like, secondly, they need they need a second ruck, and they're not going to play him as a key position defender and then have him chopping out. As, as a ruckman. Yeah. That just completely throws your structure out. So, I mean, when you look at Blitzarv's strengths, it is it is that endurance, it's yeah. ability to have second efforts and all of that. And he seems like someone who should be some sort of an on-baller. Their biggest weakness is the ruck. And so they yeah. think, how are we going to be able to get someone in the ruck to give Stanley a bit of support? He's the obvious one. And you're not going to be taking him out of the back line. So I, I very much understand that. And and their biggest strength all year as well is their defense and their back line. So also, the idea he did win is, a best and fairest playing in the midfield. Yeah, he has done that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the, the idea is is that their, yeah, their back line is... Uh, good enough, arguably, without... That's their biggest yeah. strength. They have a weakness in the middle of the ground. Well, you kind of take him out to try also, to Also, they that. were rolling him back to play as the seventh defender a lot. He was clearly a defensive winger. He was sort of yeah. hanging towards the back side of a wing all the time. And he had a couple of moments where he probably misread the flight of the ball. Dusty took a big mark out the back of behind him because he probably got sucked in a bit too close. But that was his role. It's not like he wasn't supposed to have a defensive impact. It's yeah. just, it didn't work out. And, and I do feel overall the criticism, which has been directed towards Chris Scott this final series, is a bit a bit misread, I, I do think. like I, I mean, think he hasn't helped himself in the media. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he, he makes some big statements and all of that. But yeah. I just, I mean, let's let's look at it this way. At the start but of the year... I think I it's think, also the way he says them. He's a bit sneering. Yeah. But it's, at the start of the year, I think most people had them kind of bottom of the eight. Yeah, kind of. I, I think I had them eighth. And I think I had them below that. Yeah. And so the idea is... They had that a fantastic year overall. That, that's where the bar was at. That's mm. where we kind of thought it was. And they, we lifted our expectations, our bar, basically because of how bloody well he coached at the start of the year yeah. and able to rejuvenate that list. He made lots of very, very radical changes to the way that they were playing and all the players they brought in, they gave them really important roles. And all of a sudden, they look like a potential premiership team. Yeah. And they fall just short of that. And we're criticising him because we've raised the bar based on how well he coached at the start of the year. I think he's a very good coach. Chris Scott. Yeah, I think he's I think he's probably the best defensive coach in the league. Mm. I think maybe the only other person that could give it a sniff it'd be Hardwick. Yeah, I, I would say Hardwick is better, but they're right up there. They are a very good defensive team always. Well, have they've been. had like the best defense like three of the last four years or something. Yep. So statistically he prepares the best okay. defense. Yep. But yep. they he does lack a little bit 
going forward and you've got to wonder is that personnel or is it his tactics yeah. for a long time i've claimed it was his tactics but it did work for half the year this year their ball movement going forward but it broke yeah. down towards the end yeah which was as i talked about at the start of the year I, I, it was all a bit too perfect the way that it worked at the start of the year so i i like i could see that mm. potentially dropping off as the season went on and i suppose that's what happened but i do think it dropped off more than was just it being too perfect at the start of the year though i think there were changes that in the way people play them, do you think that he intentionally it. made? Or, or I, I think it would be. A no, I don't think. I don't think it was. I don't, I don't think it was as much him making decisions to change the way they attacked as other teams recognizing Got, the way. Yeah, they were okay. Attacking, okay, and combating it a little bit better, perhaps. But let, let's not lose sight of the fact that they've been in how many prelims over the last eight years or whatever, and their, their list has been getting worse and worse, and they still keep being there. So yeah. I, I think he's a very, very good coach. It'll be very interesting to see how they move on going forward because they're what two or three years away from clearing out this entire champion era they've had. We're we're in the last gasp of it, and if Kelly leaves, is not a whole lot coming through that you'd be willing to bank on. They'll probably get some good picks this year, but it'll be interesting to see how he does rebuilding a list. Yeah, yeah. There are a lot of players coming out. And for a long time, I've kind of been forecasting they're going to drop off a little bit, and they don't seem to. And I think they've got a good coach in charge. So I I think it is kind of unfair criticism. Should probably talk a little bit about Richmond. uh, Yeah, we got a little bit sidetracked, I guess. Yeah, they're very good. Uh, I think that's pretty much. Yeah. That's pretty much what I got out of this. They game. just flex their muscles in the yeah. third quarter, didn't they? Yeah, the, the fact that they can be they in the first half they were challenged in a way that they're not often challenged. The game was not on their terms. They no. were they were strangled a lot more than they have been. They 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 weren't able to transition with nearly the amount of speed that they normally do. Yeah, you know all those little knock ons where they just seem to take the piss and be really arrogant yep. and just whack the ball forward with reckless abandon. Geelong did so well. There, there was in none of that. They tried it three or four times and every single one didn't work. Yeah, off. they they would just. It, and then it sort of flipped in the third yeah, well, quarter. Yeah, I mean, it flipped bloody quickly, didn't it? It was pretty... Both the third and the last quarter, the first contest was Trent Cochin putting a big rundown tackle. Like, yeah. it looked like Geelong were going to get a clearance. And it felt like at the start of the third quarter, if Geelong kicked an early goal, it, it, it was Geelong's game, really. Yeah. Um, and Cochin put a big tackle on. I don't know who it was on. And it just kind of shifted the momentum. They got the ball forward. They kicked a quick goal. And then it was just bang. And they, that's they were, what they're so good at. Yeah, they can they were a couple of real leadership moments from Cochin as well. And he didn't there have were. a good game. No. He no. played pretty poorly by his own standards in a lot of the sort of traditional metrics we'd use. Like he didn't have many disposals, didn't use the ball particularly well. But he just stood up and had these critical contests, bit of a Judd terminology there, that um, that just swung the game. Because, yeah. yeah, if danger, it was Dangerfield he ran down? It could have been, yeah, it could yeah, have He been, was running yeah. down someone, like a quick player, yeah. and, and if, just, if that clearance was taken, it was a big break. It was just through desperation, yeah. really, yeah. Yeah. Um, but that, yeah, that, that's what makes Richmond so good. The game was not the way they wanted it to be. Cochin wasn't good. Uh, Dusty was below what you'd hope for from Dusty. Like Still uh, the fans' player of the match, apparently. <laughs> okay, yeah. But Re- Rebolt did nothing. Like A lot of there, the players you expect to bank on didn't perform. There was a lot of that game which just didn't go the way Richmond would want it to go. And then yeah. they still gave up. They're just so even. Then Prestia Lynch steps up. Lynch was awesome. Lynch dominates. Hooley killed it. Yep, Hooley was a really big one. He, he is a bloody good player. And yeah, they're just, they're just he's so going to get even. appreciated more and more into his twilight of his career. Yeah. He yeah. has so often been looked at as just sort of a... Um, 
I just one of those secondary byproduct players. Yeah. He was a bit of a floater for a little bit. But he I think he's a lot better defensively than he's given credit for. He had a couple of really yeah, strong intercept marks. He doesn't get made to look a fool. And when you're a as good a user and the he's guy they run through yeah. the defensive uh, transition, they, they just push it through his hands so as much as possible. If you're an adequate defender when he's more than that, you that's just a fantastic position to yeah. be in. He was gonna yeah. The longer this run goes on from Richmond, like we've had a different one sort of each year be uh, lionized. We had Grimes this year. I think Hooley will get his moment in the sun, and he probably could have had it 2017 by winning the Norm Smith. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just, it's just, yeah, it feels like looking forward to next week. Like, GWS just have to do so much right to beat yeah. them is the thing. It, it, things don't have to be perfect for Richmond to still win the game. And I suppose the time in which we saw them get beaten on a big stage, they got so badly flogged by Collingwood yeah. last year that the game was dead by halftime. Like they were able to just absolutely slam the door and shut. And they didn't, like, it was unrelenting. Even when Richmond had that run, Collingwood came back again. And I think... To beat Richmond, and Matthew Lloyd said this, you do need to play the whole game. They are so good. Mm. When they kill you the contest, they kill it. So you have to make sure they're dead before you get to that point because the longer you leave them in it, they are just so good at t- yeah. chasing you down. Yeah, yeah, they can finish the game in about five minutes. So yeah, yeah, it's scary. Very, very good performance in a high-quality game of footy, that one. Uh, let's move on, I guess. Do you yes. have anything else? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, no, I don't. On that oh, we should say it wax lyrical about Tim Kelly a little bit. Oh, okay, yeah, no, that he, is he one of the right. best pre <laughs> preliminary final performances you'll ever yeah. see. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he, he got the ball enough. He kicked girls, but God, he's just so so clean. And yeah, he, like he just he always has been. He does not waste a disposal. He's got the Pendlebury time thing going on as well. Yeah, he's so cool. He doesn't have to be moving, but no one goes near him. He's just he glides. Oh, he's so fantastic. He's very much one of those players you can see getting fifteen to twenty disposals a game and still being good. Yeah, except he actually often gets up to the thirty as well. Yeah, and every That's time a- he gets the thirty touches, he's pretty close to best he's, on yeah, ground. Yeah. And we saw that Brownlow night where he polled nine times, but seven of them were best ons. Like yeah, he is a yeah, fantastic. Go, if yeah. he's a, if he plays well, he plays really yeah, well. When he gets involved enough, he's one of the more damaging players yeah. that are going around. And uh, yeah, re- for like for his uh, st- like Geelong would be really stoked that he mm. put in that sort of a performance in a prelim because it would that will make a difference to his currency. Yeah, and Chris Scott saying we want four first rounders and Dusty is obviously tongue in cheek, but yes. they will want a king's ransom for him. Yeah, and they have the right to demand it because he's one of the best midfielders in the comp. Yeah, and I don't think West Coast have enough to give up to, to be honest, so that'll be interesting. Yeah, go the Dockers, eh? Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> I hope so. It would mate. be nice to see Fife have some company. Yeah, no, that'd be exciting. I'd get around that. But anyway, let's move on to Kane Corn's Call of the Week. Well, we look at the uh, big call made by the media and then make one of our own just to keep ourselves humble. Uh, this one from our a perennial finals performer. Is he... MVP of the finals, he has to be. It was yeah, yeah. Well, no, well, no. It was just before the finals he made his last big. Yeah, but call, then he it? also doubled down on it the next week, and I'm not sure yeah, if I okay. brought that up. It again. is Ben Dixon, just for people who are confused. But yes, he's come home strong. We'll say that about him. What What's happened is he's found a platform to adequately express his nuffiness. Wait, what is the platform? I still don't know. <laughs> every uh, every <laughs> like straight after the game or. Soon after the game, they put like an hour-long TV show that they also turned into a podcast called The First Crack and sum up the weekend's footy. So after Who's the last they? final, Fox Footy. <laughs> okay. So it's All on right. Fox Footy every Saturday night. I think 
yeah, because every finals is finished yeah, Saturday right. night. And it's just great because they're, it almost feels like they're drunk the way they just take the piss out of each other. Like <laughs> David King went on a minute long monologue yelling at Ben Dixon at one point to stop pointing at him. It was just fantastic. <laughs> so they just get real loose, do they? Yeah, it's, it's incredible. It's, like they're at a pub. Do you, do you watch this consistently? This show? No, I listen or? to the recorded podcast. Yeah, okay. I listen to I it every week. Get on that. It's, it's been a so real gold mine for uh, Kane's. Yeah, and Kane's there's calls. been like 15 calls that are made during it that I just <laughs> don't make the cut because I forget them. <laughs> I only Blue remember snuffies. The, All right, it's it's incredible. But anyway, what did he say this week, Banjo? <laughs> that was so bad. Uh, he said Richmond will win the next three flags. Didn't he say there's a certainty to win the yeah. next three flags? Yeah, he did. <laughs> they haven't won one yet. I kind of, uh, yeah, well, that, that's true. <laughs> I kind of wanted to put this in here for the reason that I feel like he's an anti-Kane Corns. I, I'm really not liking Ben Dixon. No, Man, he, anti, no, is that the right word? We, no, we've always said about Kane Corns, okay, the yeah, beauty of him is that he finds a piece of logic. Generally, there is something quite smart that he picks up on and he realises, but he says it in such a massive way, just blows it so far out of proportion that he's just trying to get the biggest headline he can. Ben Dixon tries to get a big headline out of saying stuff which just have no rational basis to them. Yeah. Like, yes, Richmond are a good team, but to say they're a certainty to win three flags... Yeah, take it to the bank. And then the last one was uh, Brisbane are a certainty to win the premiership after... And he said after having watched them lose to Richmond. Yep. This just, there's absolutely no logic to it. He's just trying to make a good call for the sake of it. So I think he's a disgrace for the Cane Corns people Ooh, out there. He's that's a, a bit harsh. That's a bit of a Cane no, Corns. Donna Cane Corns, a bit nah, meta. He's letting down the name of the Cane Corns. I think he's just a wannabe Cane Corns. He's, he's not good enough at it. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think if the calls were better, and it's not necessarily to do with the kernel of truth, because you can make a good Cane Corns call that's completely divorced from reality. Kane doesn't. Kane doesn't. Generally, no, yeah, but that's, why, that's what it. makes Kane special. And we don't need Ben Dixon to get yeah, to special. Okay, okay. We need Ben Dixon to get to adequate to good. And to do that, he just he needs to... I don't want mean to... Like, you can't say tone it down because the entire point of a Kane Corns call is not to tone it down. But he needs to just make it somewhat more... <laughs> Really? Like, oh, this is absurd. I, I feel like Kane would hate him, though. I reckon because everyone would look at him and think, oh, he's just the same as Kane. Kane would be like, nah, he's a disgrace. He does not live up to what I do. I'm far better than him. So that, that's why I don't like Ben Dixon. Yeah, okay. He does besmirch the yeah. the sacred tradition of being a Kane corpse, yes, doesn't he? Exactly. That, that, that's the what I'm getting Sacred tradition at. that that's has lasted I'm a year or two, however long he's been in the media. Uh, but what's yours? My one banjo. Now, I've realised as the season's gone on, I've just kind of gone on rants about how footballers are overrated. Have like, you I've done it? Been yeah. Bringing up like, <laughs> negative stuff about individual footballers. Do you think that says, speaks to your frame of mind during this season at all? Quite possibly. Last year, we had a big joke that I was doing like all the positive ones and you did all the negative ones. And, I mean, now we're both negative, I think. You, hey, it's not as if you've become uh, a happy I, man. I did just read what Mike Hancock said. <laughs> <laughs> but someone who you know I've been souring on quite a lot throughout the course of the season, Banjo, and nothing over the last few weeks has shown me otherwise. Not even... Uh, I'll let you finish first. <laughs> Patrick Dangerfield, Banjo. My call is that I do not believe that he's in the top 15 players in the league, Banjo. I found 15 players that I think are better than him. So when he took four contested marks in the last quarter against West Coast to seal that game, didn't do anything for you. No, because what did he do with them? One of them, he took a mark about 40 metres out for goal. When it, a star to the level that 
Patrick Dangerfield is supposedly meant to be. You need to go back and kick that goal. He kicked it out in the full. His other marks, he did nothing with them. They were just little butchery shanks into the pocket or something. Like he's just he's, he does not use the ball well enough, and he does not. You know those inside fifties are exactly what the coach would have asked for. And he <laughs> mate, and he fumbles at critical moments all the time. Like he gets involved. Yes, he's quick. He's exciting, but at the critical moment, he generally butchers it. And that, that's on the big stage more than anything. He, he tries too hard is his problem. I don't dislike him, but he just he tries too hard and makes a lot of mistakes. And I think there are 15 players who I would gen, genuinely, if I was asked to take a player ahead of Dangerfield, I would, I would take all of these players I'm ahead of Dangerfield. I'm quite excited for this. I think you're going to think I'm closer than you, you would think I would be, Banjo. Max Gorn is a no. more da- is a more damaging player no. and a more valuable player. I'll no. take him ahead of Brody Grundy. No, you, really, you're not giving me Grundy. No, I, didn't we both have him as like our best player in the competition in our top five? Don't think so. I did. So, and I think that's. Genuine. I think I might have had Nathan Fife. I actually think Fife's only about a nose ahead because he has a lot of the same issues that Danger has. I think that's that's fair. Better. I think they are. are so you agree with me on five? Patrick Cripps is definitely a better player. No. I have no hesitation in saying What that. does Patrick Cripps do with the ball? Oh, he, he, he's, not, he's not a super damaging user, but he doesn't butcher it in the same way. And he's, I don't he's think you've incredi- watched enough, Carl. He's incredibly clean below his knees, and he's incredibly good with his hands, Cripps. Very damaging footballer. Dustin Martin is obviously better. I'd take Dusty, yes. So yes, you got two. Right. Bontempelli, you'll agree with me on that one. I think you said he was the best player in the comp. Begrudgingly, yes. You're just trying to go against me now. So Jer- Jeremy Cameron, I would take. No. Really? No. He is a more valuable player. Alex Rance, I would take. No. Really? You do not think he's more damaging than, or more valuable than no. Danger? I'm, I'm shocked. Jeremy not on McGovern. One league. No. You're wrong on Stephen Keneally, I would 100% take no. him He is the most rounded midfielder in the competition, uh, Keneally. No. I would take him any day of the week. Harris Andrews, I would take. Well, that's an interesting argument. Are, are no. you saying Harris Andrews is clearly better than McGovern and Rance? No, but for youth and stuff. So, I'm a no, but it's an interesting one. <sighs> Banjo. Tim Kelly. Now, this is an interesting <laughs> one because you were passionately against it. And we asked our Geelong supporting mate. And I've thought and about he's like, it. I agree, Tim Kelly is a better player. Tim Kelly, when he plays his best games, are right up there with Dangerfield. Except Tim Kelly does not play his best games anywhere near as often as Patrick Dangerfield. Yes, but as we just said, he's actually clean and he uses the ball well. He's, he's far more damaging. Jack Rewalt is a more rounded, better footballer than Patrick Dangerfield. You have Dangerfield. Jack Rewalt ahead of him. Lockie Whitfield is a better player. has had an awful year. Yes, I, he's been injured all year, Banjo. He hasn't had a chance at it. But we're talking about the, generally them as a player. I back Rewald to be the same player he has been for years next year. He's a star. Lockie Whitfield is better. And you're not going to disagree with this one. Josh Kelly is better. In fact, actually, Banjo, now I think about it, he's actually the six, 17th best player in the competition because I didn't even put Billy Gowers in there, Banjo. Okay, so I've got So he's the 17th best player in the competition. I'll accept Josh Kelly because I'm never not going to. Josh Kelly is number one in my heart. But, uh, and Billy Gowers, obviously. So how many players did you think were better, Danny, out of that? There was about five, wasn't yeah. there? I, I, I honestly believe I would take all of those I'd have him fourth if Dangerfield. I was being serious. I believe they're all more valuable and damaging than Patrick Dangerfield. I genuinely believe that. I do not. I just fundamentally disagree with you. He doesn't really influence a game. That's just wrong. <laughs> nah, so overrated, Banjo. What's your Kane Corns call? So. 
I want to stress. When it starts with so. <laughs> this is a cane corn score. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do that. You have to believe it. Brody Grundy had a negative impact on the game for Culling. A negative, negative impact. Negative impact. How. The fact that you say negative, how can you even possibly try to explain that? So he had 73 hitouts, and yes. they lost the clearances by 20. He obviously did a terrible did job in the like rug. 20, 20 clearances they lost by. So he obviously had a terrible performance in the tap ruck area. Can we agree on that? No, we can't agree that he had a terrible performance. No, I think the how poor the midfield was around him is a major factor in that. Okay, bad what, what, what? No, I wouldn't say average? he was bad. No. So you think he had a good... What, in terms of tap, tap work? work? Yeah, I would say he was probably a little bit above average, yeah. That's staggering. <laughs> yes. His around-the-ground work, <laughs> his disposal was everything you accused Patrick Dangerfield of doing. He tried way too hard, was fumbly, and he just he was, had no impact on the game. His spread led to absolutely nothing. He didn't get involved in anything that was damaging. He just was a complete non-factor, even with his 25 touches. It was a just a wasteful performance. Was he? I, I didn't notice him turning it over that much or being bad in that sense. Look, I, I, I agree. I think you asked me a couple of days ago, what did you think of Grundy's performance? And I was like, oh, it was a bit of a... Like, he, he was all right. He was all right. But when you look at his stats, he had... What, 20, it looks like he had one of the greatest rock performances of all 73 time. Hitouts. Yeah, I know. And I agree that he, with the amount of ball that he had and the amount of time he had around the ball, the amount of times he got his hands on the ball in the ruck, he should have had a bigger influence than he did. But to say he was negative is the issue with the callback. You can say that he wasn't great. Okay, so what's the number one... Who's the number one player in their midfield? It's him, right? Yeah, okay, What's the yes. number one reason they lost? Their midfield was shit. Yes, it was. It ben. was led by him shitly. Banjo, have a look at how everyone else went. Trelaw had 22 disposals. Yeah, because he Adams didn't hit it 20. down to them. Oh, come on. Only Pendlebury one of those eight. people is being tagged their by whole, Matt DeBoer. Their whole mid- he was the only player who performed adequately on the day out of their midfield. But he clearly didn't. That's why I said negative <laughs> impact. <laughs> oh, Banjo. I, look, at the absolute best, I could give you that he was like a, a par. At the absolute best, I think you could make that argument. He definitely, negative. Wasn't, he definitely wasn't par to his own standards. Ah, <laughs> oh, Banjo. Now, you do know that this is a cane corn. So <laughs> 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 it definitely was not a negative, but I agree that he could have been a lot better than he was. I agree with that. Underworlding is probably a more adequate way of describing Yeah, Yeah, that's, that's a reasonable word for it, yes. <laughs> okay, so let's move on and let's uh, stop taking the piss a little bit. GWS defeated Collingwood by four points. Game of the round. <laughs> yeah, so, Banjo, this is my Cane uh, Corns call 2.0. Well, mm-hmm. this was a call which I, I kind of wanted to make it as my Cane Corns call, yes. but I actually feel so strongly about it that I just want it in my actual analysis because I don't want people to think that I'm talking crap just to try to make a big call. I believe this. Okay. This was. I'm glad the- you don't believe the Dangerfield stuff. No, I actually do, <laughs> but people might think that I'm blowing things out of proportion there, Banjo. Which this one, I'm not at all. I think that was the best win I have ever seen from GWS. What is your first thoughts to that? Well, my first thought is to try and think of a better win. Yes. Like that's the way to approach it. Yes. Nothing springs to mind. Like, sorry, no, nothing of the magnitude. So, to be a better win, I think it's got to be on a similar stage and to be as backs against yes. the wall. There's probably an argument for Hawthorne in 2008 and the granny. 
given what that Geelong side was. I don't have a whole heap more. <laughs> there was just there was so many layers to why this was a good win, and when it comes down to it, they had so. Is many... gutsiest a better way to phrase it? Arguably, yes, but. When I think of best wins, I'm thinking of wins where they just fought against all of the odds and yeah. still managed to find a way to win the game. I went to bed drunk on Saturday night talking to my girlfriend about how great this <laughs> win was. And I, it was just like, I just kept adding things to it and being like, but then this happened as well. Like, we, we firstly, we ignore the fact that their captain and spiritual leader has been out all year, which is yeah. a massive thing. Just underrated. They were in really bad form heading into the final series and they basically found a way to get these sort of spirits up and which allowed them to get to this point. And they played a couple of really hard, tough games heading into this against a team who had a week off in front of their home crowd. Then they have just... I mean, you had... like. Lockie Whitfield to have his appendicitis. They had all the distractions during the week with Toby Green. Canelio is their best player, as you know, and he was <laughs> and he wasn't playing. I think you'll find I disagree with that, Scott. <laughs> and like, and then you head into the game, and the way that the game sort of played out, they had Phil Davis, their other captain, completely hobbled and barely able. Dislocated to his finger before the game started, and that was like the least of his injury troubles. And, and, and like. Captain's the first thing, but the second thing is from a structural point of view, how important he is in the back line, mm. and he had to go forward, and they still managed to cope with that. And they played so well to play the game they wanted it played, and then pretty much in, in the, the last quarter, I feel like the crowd basically gave Collingwood a chance, is what happened. And then it got to the point, seven. there were seven minutes to play when they got yeah. within a kick. like. And we just thought the only way they can win it, they have to kick a goal. But they didn't. They just absolutely had their back against the wall, just forced stoppage after stoppage, and just through pure grit and determination, they managed to win that game. It's an extraordinary win. It doesn't get much better than that. I absolutely 100% agree with you. It is probably the best, most important win through adversity I've ever seen. I will agree with that. I think the thing that makes me hesitate to say best win I've ever seen and stuff like that is I think Collingwood aren't anywhere near as some of the good as some of the upsets we've seen. Yeah, you can argue there. Which is the knock I'd have against it, against like the Essendon Carlton prelim in 99. I think that's probably a better win. And yeah. like it was before our time a little but bit. But it was still a top two team with the week off in front of 75,000. They came fourth. Well, but they no, they were, were a top two team because they beat the other top. No, four that's team. not how it oh, works. Well, I, I do think that is how it works. I think that's fair. They ended up fourth on the they, ladder. They looked like a better team than Geelong comfortably when they beat them in the first final. There, I think I think that's rightful. And they they had a week off and in front of seventy five thousand of their own fans. Like, that is a pretty damn impressive ability to get up to play that game. I don't know. Anyway. I think Collingwood had a charmed run to that prelim. They had pretty much everything go right that could go right to get to that point. Well, that's not true. They've been injured as all hell all year. No, so from like a month out into the end of the season. Yeah, okay. Because I thought they were dead at that point. Yes, okay, all right. And after that, everything went right. That West Coast lost to Hawthorne, just got them in the top four, stuff like that. And, But I didn't really think they turned around their form to make me think they were as good as what I thought they were going into the year. 
I hadn't really seen anything that made me think, oh, they're back to their best. And I don't think they showed any of that in finals because like, they didn't play particularly well to beat Geelong. They were better than Geelong, but I think it was more about Geelong being bad they, that night. They, they were comfortably better than Geelong. And a lot of the reason they were bad is because Collingwood were able to strangle what Geelong had been able to. Like, they just had managed to strangle their transition. And they, they, they played very well. But look, that, that's your best argument. That, that, that is yeah. the best argument there. The Collingwood aren't the best team ever, and therefore it's not... Yeah, they're not yes. in the conversation. But yeah, when it comes down to grits and determination, the ability to get a win with backs against the wall, I, I think it's the best win I've ever seen. And I'm, I'm pretty happy to say that. But looky, projecting forward now, Banjo. You don't want to talk anymore about how good Zach Williams was. Oh, how good Sam Taylor was. Like, there's plenty more to discuss in this game. All right, if you, want you can to. do that, Banjo. You can you can take us away on that. Okay. If Zach Williams was played as a midfielder, where would he be in the competition as one of the best midfielders in the game? because oh. I think he'd be a chance to be an All Australian midfielder if he was given the. Ability to do so. I think that, that that's easy to say for a player. How many games would he have played in the midfield this year? Oh, he would have played six, six of the last eleven in the midfield, and yeah. every single one of them, I thought he's looked fantastic. Yeah, but I don't think he's been like a clear. Like, how many Brownlow votes would he have got during that period? Not that many. I don't think he was clearly True. the best player on the ground during that period or anything. He had an unbelievable game. Like, it's just the absolute definition of a player stepping up when you have to. This thing of we're, we're down and out. Our midfield is Nine depleted. Clearances. We need you to be the man now. <laughs> To be able to that do that, Taylor Adams' tackle was astounding. Yeah, but it's always an easy thing to say that he's going to, based on a handful of games, he's going to be a, a, one of the better midfielders going around. Like it's a lot of the time, once you're in there a lot, you start getting tagged, and then you need to start learning some other tricks. And we don't know whether he has all of that. But it was a pretty damn good uh, performance. I'll definitely, uh, definitely say that on the weekend. Yeah, and I thought Sam Taylor showed like yeah, the way he, he was stepped awesome. up. He. Phil Davis will eventually get old and retire, and I think they have about as good a replacement in yeah. Sam Taylor he, as possible. He should have marked that last one with a head. But that was like a decision, not that he like a decision he made, not he couldn't mark the ball. Yes, but that yeah. that, that was a panicked yeah. decision in the heat of the moment, which was actually very uncharacteristic to the way he played the rest. Yeah, of Yeah, because he flew for marks every other time, didn't he? He was yeah, he was incredibly composed uh, throughout the game, and the way that apart from his last uh, two months, the way similar, very similar to Barras, I guess, in the idea that we talk about their best two key defenders being Davis and Haynes. And then mm. he's kind of that underrated, little bit smaller sort of player who's great on the intercept, really they composed, with, good user. If you say Haynes is a key defender, and he's probably more like the third medium type player, yeah. not, not a real key defender. He's more key than Taylor, I would say. You reckon? Yeah. Oh, interesting. I would have gone the other Taylor, way. Taylor, I see more of a, a medium who kind of plays a bit above his uh, size in some ways. That's interesting. I would have gone he's a developing key, but... That doesn't really matter, I guess. But they also played Lockie Keefe, who played as a key defender for most of the game, and played fantastically he, well. He did play very and well. And backed up pretty manfully in the ruck as yeah, well. And then yeah. they also played Aiden Court. So they played Phil Davis, yeah. Aiden Court, Lockie Keefe, Sam Taylor, and Nick Haynes. Well, it's funny because Lockie Keefe was a strange selection. It looked like yeah, they I probably have too many good. defenders, but I suppose the way it worked out was Davis <laughs> ended up going forward. But... Maybe it just yeah happened to work out for them. So Sam Taylor's 196 centimetres tall. Really? <laughs> yeah. Is he really? Yeah, no, he's going to be a genuine key defender. He's, 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 he's just a bit skinny at this point. Yeah, maybe. Which is probably he's, he's, he just doesn't seem that tall, I guess. Um, but how good was Haynes as well, though? 
Yeah, <laughs> he had thirty disposals, which I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have thought that was the case. Watching, but then you it, look at how much the ball was in the back line in the last. Yeah, half. <laughs> he would have got a lot of it towards the end. But um, oh, just some of his desperate spoils and those efforts. And a couple of times he almost like he picked it up and spun out of a pack. And then yeah, there was the one ball. along the boundary line which I thought he was going to get pinged for deliberate, but he kept the ball in and ran away with it. Yeah, so I was that's like, right. I was like, oh. He just well yeah done. yeah he just did everything perfectly a bit like like Dale Morris in a 2016 yeah. Grand Final sort of thing just whenever there was a contest he won it by so far and everyone just lifted around him as a result yeah the other player I want to talk about is probably Matt DeBoer he was yeah. fantastic until Cunnington broke his shoulder <laughs> in yeah what might have been reasonably dirty um, <laughs> <laughs> yes he has kept who's he played on who they play around on so Bond and Pelly. Neil and Pendlebury yeah. alter their lowest possession counts of the year. Yeah. Is he not the best player of the final series or the most valuable player of the final series? It's definitely an argument you could make for sure. And I think if he beats Dusty next week, I think a lot of people will start making that argument. Yeah, sure. I think him to beat Dusty is the biggest... It's the biggest path to victory that GWS have. Matt Dubois has to kill Dusty. And he did last time they played... Dusty had next to no impact on the game, got suspended because he cracked the shits, was flipping the bird to the crowd or something. Yeah, he very much got on top of him last time, yeah. He's a really likeable player to ball. At Frio, he was one of those players, he was good because he just worked his ass off. He played in the forward line and all he did was tackle. That was like the only thing that he did and he was so important doing that. Man, like goes into the wilderness a bit for a while and then it's, I think the story was in the off-season, he said that he wants to be a tagger. He wants that to be his role and he's just completely taken it on and just... Yeah, sticks to his Clearly role stepped up to the so best. well. Like he's the best in the competition at the yeah, moment. Yeah, for sure. He's had such a strong year. And yeah, he, he needs to play that well for them to win. And yeah. I kind of back him in. They, like, who's really beaten him this year? Not many. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I agree with that. Which means maybe the old uh, Norm Smith... Uh, that would be a fun is a, one. Is a little bit is a little bit off, I guess, because Dusty would, is comfortably the favourite for the Norm Smith. Yeah, but he is the... Guy by far most likely to tear a game apart on either side. Yeah, I mean, we saw Prestia on the weekend, and I suppose if DeBoer yeah. beats him, then Prestia's going to have to lift, I guess. That's but true, that's true. Yeah, well, what chance are you giving GWS next week, Banjo? Well, I said last week, I said to you, I'm not sure if I actually said it on the pod, that I had the sneaky good feeling about both those You games. did, you did say it on the pod. And I think sneaky good was the right way to, right way to describe it. They were both, both teams had a shot and one pulled through. Yeah, you weren't I, far off. Banjo. I kind of, I kind of give, still think GWS have a sneaky chance. Like, I'm, like I'm considering going the contrary and tipping them for the fun of it. To be honest, like I, I think the so they've had the buy, which will mitigate the lack of a week off, but they've also got three really good players coming back, and I think that'll yeah. give them a lot of energy too. Yeah, there's lots of different ways you can look at try to read kind of the momentum of how things are going. There's always that argument to make that they played their grand final last week. They worked themselves into the ground. It was such a hard combative game that they're probably going to be exhausted next week and they're playing a team who are even better. How are they going to be able to do it? But the other way of looking at it is heading into the game, they wouldn't have really thought that this is us hitting our peak. This is our no. grand final. It would have been a thing of let's just try to hold on for dear life and then wait for the reinforcements to come next week if we're lucky enough to get through. So from a psychological point of view, they probably do think there's another level that they can go to. So having a few stars come in 
from a momentum point of view, it gives them a chance. So I look, I, I might be just trying to get myself excited for it. And I probably is because realistically, I suspect it'll finish on Saturday and we'll be like, Richmond were the best team. They are the best team. That's just where it sits. But I'm giving them a chance. Yeah, so last time they played was ages ago. It was back in April, round two or three or something like yeah, that. Yeah, very different teams now. <laughs> yes. Yeah, very different. But GWS towelled them up. It was 50 points. It was the game Cameron kicked 7-5 with 30 touches. Finlayson also kicked five. So they do have a forward line that's going to trouble Richmond in. And they've played pretty well against Richmond for the last few years. They've pro- I think they've got the wood over them a little bit. And so I think from that perspective, I've got to I give them a good chance as well. Yeah, and the exciting thing about GWS, they have so many players who are X Factor players who you yeah. think are made for a big stage. There are so many players who seem like a smart. I can't Smith wait bet. to watch Toby Green. Yeah, play I mean Toby final. Green feels like he belongs there. You could have a bet on Canelio if he plays. We will Josh be betting Kelly. on Josh Kelly. Yep, Jeremy Cameron, Lockie Whitfield. There's a lot of players who just feel like they belong on that stage and they could pull in a blinder. So you only need a handful of them to get going and. Yeah, they have so stop. many play. Geelong's problem for the last few years has been you can rely on their best six, but then they haven't quite had the support from their next tier stand yeah. stepping up too often to play that blinder that gets you over the line in big games. GWS don't have that problem. They have so many options. We're going to get to our top fives later. And it, it was to pick the top five players from each club. And for GWS, and Richmond too to an extent, it is so hard to pick them. And there's just so many options of someone who could, at their best game, quite easily just be best on ground. They do have a real opportunity to get an out-of-the-box performance. And I think that real their performance is one of the most variable in the competition. They've played as bad as they did against Hawthorne and also probably played some of the best football in the league. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I, I give them a sniff. I, not, not a large sniff, but I give them a sniff, which is, I, which is good. I nice give them like a... About. I think it's a 60-40, which nah, is very it's not, confident. Actually, I'd say it's 75-25. Yeah, so yeah I'm way about. more optimistic than yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, all right, all right. Well, should we move on to our top Let's five? Let's move on then? to our top five. Yes. So, as I said, we're doing our top five players from each club. And it was quite tough. We thought Richmond would be easy because it used to be easy. The back end was difficult. The back end was so difficult. Yeah. Number one's quite easy, though, so I don't think we'll have any disagreement there. This is probably a sign of why they are in the grand final, these two teams. Yeah. That it's, it's genuinely really tough to pick who the top five best players are because there's a lot of options there. There are. So go with your five. All right. Wait, which team? Richmond. All right. Richmond will go. I should have clarified that. I'll do I, do I say all point. of them? Or no, no go, just go with five. All right. Number five for Richmond Banjo. I scraped him in. The, the, Picking five is really, really tough. There are mm. a lot of options there. Bachar Hooli, I've gone with I really five. like it. Yeah, I, I think for the role that he plays, he's just about the best there is going around. As you say, he's a good defensive player, and he's a brilliant user of the ball, and he's really important for how Richmond play. Yeah, he's in that rich turn bracket of players that are just so reliable, bring the ball off half back. He offers them so much drive. From back there. Yeah, his, his grand final in 2017 was when he really stamped himself and everyone was like, oh, yeah, actually, Hooli is a gun. And he's yeah. just been, and this year he's just had a terrific year. Probably been year, more of a dream team player to that point. One of those guys you'd yeah. pick for racking up a lot of the ball without quite having the impact you'd expect from his stats. But, yeah, as I said, the longer this run goes on, the more I think he's contributing to their winning because he is so important to the way they move the ball. Because, yeah, they... Their ability to counter-attack is really important to the way they win games, and he's the most important part of that. Yeah, he's definitely underrated, Hooli, yeah. the importance of him to Richmond. But, yeah, what's your five, Banjo? I went Prestia. 
Okay, all right. I, yeah, again, found this incredibly tough. And there's like four really good footballers that have a claim to this. And yeah, I just wound up with Prestius, probably recency bias. He was fantastic yeah. on the weekend. He's been fantastic the back half of the year. But I think he's probably been their best performed pure midfielder for the last year or so. Maybe a little bit longer than that. Like he has absolute... Their midfield is built around him because without him, Dusty can't play forward the amount he plays. Cochran's been missing for so much of the year. He has had to really carry it and make sure their contested ball is close enough to even for them to stay in the contest. Because if they break even with contested ball, they win the game. And Prestia is the reason, the driving force behind whether or not they break even a lot of the time. Yeah, he um, he, he, he wouldn't have been far off mine at all. He's just a player who um, I don't notice him as much as some of the stars in the competition. Yeah. But um, having said that, I very much noticed him on a Friday night. Yeah, I think he's been a building damn good a, week. I think he's champion data's top-ranked player since. Round yeah, 15 it's, or it's been it's been his best year yeah. by quite a way. He's, he's had a really really good year, but just, just slightly off for me, Benjo. <laughs> I've got Grimes at four. I actually think there's a lot of people who'd have him even better than that at yeah, the moment. He's he's yeah okay. He's the real hot player at the moment. Everyone's really standing up and noticing him. Has this been the year of Grimes? Like, if you were to think of, like, more than five, when you think of one player for this year, I'd almost say the most talked about player, the guy that's been talked about in the most positive terms all year has probably been Grimes. Well, did you hear... I, I, actually, I, I think I mentioned it to you before. Did you, during the All-Australian presentation, I think it was Julio was being mm. interviewed, and they asked him about how good Grimes has been. And he said something about there was a stage earlier in the year after Rance went down when he said how brave it was from Grimes to be able to put himself out there and say that he was struggling a bit with it and that he needed some more support. Mm. Um, which I thought that was a really cool it's little insight. really counterintuitive to the way we've looked at Grimes. Yeah, but like it makes sense that for a few weeks he felt like all of a sudden he was the guy yeah. and he felt the weight of that and he had a lot of assistance from around him but um, he's absolutely grown into that role and he's got better and better as the year's gone on which is a... In, in that sense, it does feel a bit like the year of Grimes. Yeah, and like the performances against Charlie Cameron back-to-back where he just destroyed the best key, uh, small forward in the competition... Uh, his ability to play tall or small. He's just been a focal point of sort of the commentary for the year. But So he was my third. I he had, was third, okay. I Who's had Rewalt fourth. fourth. Okay, Rewalt's my third. Okay. So there so you I go. think we might be ending on the same two as well. Yeah, I think pretty much with Rewalt, I think what it comes down to is that you're a little bit... Um, you're, you're reading into this year more than I am. Bit, I just feel I'm like he's been, he's been injured and I just think, yeah. I think he's an absolute star. He just hasn't quite been in his Problem best. is he's wrong side of 30 and I get worried if people He's have, just 30, isn't he? Yeah, I think he might be turning 31 at the end of the year. Mm. But I get worried when you're that age and you have a down year because of injury. And I'm worried about Buddy with this too. It's a lot harder to come back and regain your form than it is when you're 26. He's just such a great rounded forward these days. Yeah. He has everything you want from him. He kicks the goals when he needs to. He lifts in the big moments, but he gets other players involved. He's he's prepared to do selfless leads when he needs to. He, just, he does everything that you want a key forward to. So, yeah, he's an absolute star. I've got him at three. Uh, so, we're the same. With, I assume we're the same with our top two. One, Dusty. Two, Rance? Yes. Yes, okay. So, we've still got Rance Not at number two. Not that hard. Rance is the best fullback of his generation yeah. by... Fair stretch. And oh, I guess McGovern is a it yeah. is a shout. He's getting there, McGovern, yeah. And then Dusty is probably the best player of the generation. Yep. 
It's either him or Fife, really, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of players who are going uh, negative on... A lot of people who are going negative on Rance these days, but I, I don't think that's warranted. I think it was a thing which people are just kind of pushing back against how good he has been and how much he's been recognised I for also that. think he is, he is as good I as I think the strength say. of the rest of their backline was underrated for a long time. Yeah, that's like, true. I, I think Grimes was underrated. Asprey was underrated. Vlosten was probably... Closer to appropriately rated because he had the big flashy intercept marks, but could possibly have been underrated. Hooley, yeah. for a long time, probably underrated. Yeah, yeah, fair. And I think Rance got a lot of the attention because he was so obviously unbelievable that it sort of he cast everyone else into his shadow. Mm. And now that it's gone, we're wondering, did he deserve that? But yes, he did. Yes, <laughs> he still is unbelievable. So yeah, he's number two. And yeah, I think Dusty's pretty clear as a number one. I, Dusty, he, he just, he steps up when he needs to step up. That is what he's so good about. Also, he... So the group that is constantly sort of put together is Danger, Dusty and Fife. Yeah. Right? Because yep. they won Brownlow's back to back to back. And really had this moment where they captured the league. Dusty separates himself by how damaging he is. Yeah, I agree. I don't necessarily think it's the Ford craft, and that truly is something, but Dangerfield is also a genuinely good Ford. Yeah. It is more the quality of his ball use yes, that very makes much me go, so. this is why you're the best. The other two bit butcher it quite a bit. Yeah. And uh, Dusty, yeah, he's just such a damaging user of the ball. He, he's definitely the number one. For me, out of those three, yeah, and, and out of I Richmond, love watching play. GWS. This is really, really difficult now, yeah. <laughs> and I feel like ours are going to be quite different on this page. Easily could be because there's about. So I narrowed mine down to six, and then really, really struggled from there. And yeah. look, I may have decided by trolling you this way. I got to the, <laughs> I got to my. I, I found the whole thing difficult. <laughs> like, like, like I was always. You know what my number one was going to be because we've had the arguments yeah. about it. But like being seriously, I found I got a group of about six or seven, and I found it incredibly hard to separate any of them. Five, I've got Phil Davis, who I think is one of the more underrated players in the competition. He he's never been all Australian, Phil Davis. He just feels like a lockdown. He should have been. Was he even in the squad? He wasn't even in the squad this year, and that's criminal. He led the league in intercept marks. Yeah. He's a key defender who did that. Yeah. He's that's that's what got Jeremy McGovern in the All Australian team every single year. It was like he leads the lead in the same. Why is that not good enough for Phil Davis, and, who is like, also a captain? Like he's, he's a captain and he is accountable as well. Yeah. Like, he he always beats the forward that he's on. Plus he does the intercept marking. Plus you can see how much the other players look up to him. He's a super important player, and I really hope he. So plays I'm this obviously week. awfully biased, and when the All Australian team and squad came out, in I was always going to be like. Robbie Tarrant, what the fuck? Yes. But my actual thought, and I think I said this at the time, was where the hell is Phil Davis? Yeah, yeah. He, he just gets ignored because he's on. He's a defender and he's at Greater Western Sydney. Yeah, so and there are so many so, creative uh, midfield lights there. I hope he plays and he has a good grand final and people will start to really recognise yeah. how good a footballer he is. I, he needs like the, like the Career Achievement Award All-Australian because he just deserves it. Mm. Except the thing is, if Rance is back next year and McGovern has another good year, there's just no room because yeah. of those two. It does make it difficult, but... Banjo, your five? Whitfield. Whitfield at five. Yeah, okay. Well, I've got him a fair bit higher, I have to say. Yeah, I, so I love... Surprise, you love him. I love Whitfield. I love so many GWS True. players. <laughs> like, these guys are my boys. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I love Whitfield. He's fantastic. He's so smooth. He... I think I said this about Kelly 
that Kelly glides, but Whitfield just, I don't know, he just like zooms forward at this, <laughs> like, I don't, like, I don't know how to describe it. <laughs> Kelly, Kelly moves more laterally, but Whitfield is just all about straight lines and driving the ball forward and it all looks so smooth. I just, I love watching Whitfield play. His ball use is immaculate, either yep. side of the body. It, so much of their ball use is built around getting the ball into his hands to set things up. And he's doing it off a wing. And he was playing a lot of half forward this year. He's so versatile. Like, I he's so good. And I have him fifth. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how he's at five for you. But I, I heard Gary Lyon call him the surgeon once. Which I actually think it's That's quite a, a good That's a really, really good way of describing the way <laughs> yeah. he plays. He's so precise. I think when everything fails for GWS, it's... Their, their, their thing is just get the ball in Whitfield's hands and he'll find a way to get us forward. And he does it yeah. more than any other player in the comp. He's an absolute gun, Rocky Whitfield. Absolute gun. My number four, Banjo. I've got Josh Kelly at number four. Criminal. I was, I Criminal. It's so hard to separate. I suppose when it comes down to Kelly, he's, he's had enough injuries over a couple of years. I don't think he's had a consistent enough run at it yeah. to... So when he's been in the team, it's felt like he's been in for a few weeks and he hasn't quite got himself up and going and he hasn't had the chance to be the superstar, which it seemed like a few years ago he was pretty much there. He's just been a little bit interrupted. So yeah. that just knocks him down slightly, but that's, he's very, that's very That's good. all really fair. And yeah, I've got him a lot higher, obviously. But when the margins are so close, it's just it's an easy way to differentiate them because he probably hasn't been at his best. He's still yes. been incredibly good when he's had sort of six-week blocks where he's able to run at it healthy. But he just keeps getting interrupted. And it's good that he's looking pretty healthy at the moment because we had he played really well on the weekend and we're seeing sort of the, the best of him at the moment, which is just really exciting. I had Cameron at four. Okay, he was my three. Yeah. Cameron. He is probably underrated, mm. I would argue. I wouldn't say that. He's, so he's rated been, very high. But he's been very good and for quite a while, and he wasn't talked about in the best key forwards of competition until this year, really. Yeah. He's just the perfect modern key forward, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, yeah, he kicks the goals, but like he does it in the way that you need a key forward to do. He gets up the ground, he gets back. He's fantastic on a lead. He, he, yeah, he can take a really good mark. He can kick it from 55. He can do, he can do everything you want a key forward yeah. to do. And he's yeah, he's been pretty consistently one of the biggest goal kickers in the comp for quite a few years now. So Yeah. Of all the people, like, we have so many people that get called out as, like, being buddy-like. He's the only one to actually yeah. sort of utilize the model and be effective doing it. He's not big enough yet to be no, a buddy, he, but yeah. So, that's the thing. He's slightly slower and slightly less powerful. Yes. Well, he's definitely less powerful. Yeah. Because Buddy is unbelievably powerful. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but he's, I don't know, he probably does have a bit more flexibility. And I don't mean this in the the roles they can play. I mean, like... I feel like he's more flexible in the way he can move and just finds... I don't know. He doesn't run through people. He sort of moves around them a little more. He's, a he's like a different version of it. He's a better overhead mark than Buddy. But like I, I definitely see, yeah, see but the comparison. Still not, in the it's ways not his... Play. That's still not his go, though. No, he's not. No, he's not a superstar contested mark. But he, he can take a good yeah. mark. And as you say, he's really good on a lead, which isn't really what Buddy's good at. No, but that's probably because Buddy's so good at everything else. Yeah. It's like he's excellent at it. It's just so low down in his strengths. I can see the comparison, but yeah, he's my three. So what's your three? Phil Davis? Phil Davis at three. Yeah, okay. So yeah, we we've talked about him. My two is Lockie Whitfield. 
Okay, I've yeah, we've talked two, about him. Yeah, I think. Yeah, well, so what's your uh, top two, Banjo? <laughs> <laughs> so Cornelio so, to uh, Kelly one. No, <laughs> you you haven't put Cornelio in your top five. <laughs> yeah, look. I so I told you I had six, and the only differentiating Who are, way like I, Toby <laughs> Green, you've got a two, do you? Yeah, I had six, and the only way I could differentiate and cut somebody out was to troll you. <laughs> so that's what I've done. Well, at least you're honest. Like, at least you're honest. It feels criminal not to have Cornelio in it their does. best five players. Except you're I don't. Right. I, I don't feel like. Any of the players I have put down are not worthy of being in the spot I've put them. So, Toby Green. So, Cornelio is an unbelievably good footballer. He's an unbelievably good midfielder. But he is not sort of top of the class for midfielders. I don't think, like, you wouldn't have him as the best midfielder in the comp or anything. Like, he's, no, he's, 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 he's probably a step off. below it. Like, just a little bit off. He's nipping yeah, at the heels slightly, of that conversation. Slightly, yes. But Toby Green is the best in the competition of what he does. Yeah, yeah. He, like, he's the best half forward in the competition. He's also a elite midfielder when they need to put him in there. Like, he's fantastic in the midfield. He's a great overhead mark. He's a really good ball user in space. He f- knows where the goals are. He... He's just so good in ways that there is no real competition for his spot. Like, who plays anywhere near as well on a half-forward flank as Toby Green? Yeah, no, I I would agree that he was the best half-forward in the comp, and then he's had so many injuries the last few years, he hasn't got there. I think the last half of the year he stepped back up. Yeah, I know, yeah, but it's still still half a year, I guess. If he did it for another year, yeah, I'd I'd have a stronger argument for it. Trust me, he'd be sixth. Yeah, <laughs> like, and we know how hard it is to separate. But well, you're about to talk about Cornelio and really rag on me, so let me have my chance at yeah. you for not including Toby Green. Yeah, all right. But all what right. what I'd say is like Toby Green was at that level, dropped off because of injuries, and then he's got back to that level as soon as he's had a clear run at it. Does that why why do we have to think that's not sustainable? No, I don't know. It's not that it's not sustainable. I just. I, I don't feel like he has the same body of work which a lot of the other ones do because of the fact gets that it's injured been separated in, in between. He has this year. Prior to that, he hasn't. And I, no, I, I, last year it was his first year, healthy year in like four. I, I don't know. I just don't remember it that way. I don't know. I don't know. It's just... Yeah, he's, he's just not quite as good as the others, I don't think. I, I just don't think he's quite as good. I disagree. And it, it's like, a, very, a lot of it is because I love him. It's, it's a very, very, very hard uh, <laughs> debate to be having. But can I just, just very quickly say how good Cornelio is? I've said before, I think he is the most well-rounded midfielder in the competition. I think he does everything to an elite standard. He's great with clearances. He's a good user of the ball. He goes forward and kicks goals when he needs to. He's mm. a very good defensive player. He's just got absolute... He's, he's like 50% in, 50% out. He's just a perfectly balanced midfielder. And I, I think he's yeah right up there in the best mids in the comp. Yeah, I don't disagree with any of that. And I still couldn't have him on top five. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, there you go. So, got a lot two of his games players. played, though. 15 this year, 23 last year, 10 the year before that, 23 before that, and then 18, 14, 18, 12. So, he's been injured quite... He's missed a lot of games of football. Yeah, okay. There was a... Yeah, he had a full year and interrupted year, a full year and interrupted yeah. year is pretty much what's happened. But I don't know. He's just damn good, all right, Bandit? He's damn good, and I don't disagree with that. One, obviously, Kelly, because I'm right. 
All right, I'm getting tired, Banjo, so can we get on to our... Uh, uh, yeah, is Billy Gowers watch happening we this week? We absolutely have Billy Gowers Oh, watch. we do have Billy Gowers. I'm not tired anymore. I'm just excited. And so it's time for Billy Gowers watch. Billy, 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 Billy Gowers. Billy, 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 Billy Gowers. Got to do the introductions properly, Scott. Still stealing my introduction, Banjo, but well, all right. Well, you were hesitating. You didn't do it. You've done the you work. At the moment. You've done the work this week. I'll allow you this to take actually over. This actually was has he been a doing? fan submission. A fan submission? Fan, fan submission, Dan. A fan of us or a fan of Billy or both? Presumably <laughs> both because you wouldn't be a fan of us if you weren't a fan of Billy. Right, so is this Dan, Dan Crowley? Yep, Dan yep, the fan. Right. Yeah, um, we, we love Dan, yeah. And it was actually noticed on Twitter by a different Dan. Hmm. Uh, so... No, not noticed by Twitter. Never mind. Just ignore what I just said. That makes no sense compared to what, with what I'm about to say. So, <laughs> Billy Gowers, unfortunately, fell into the fake news propaganda around the climate strike and liked to tweet, calling out people who went to the climate strike for not cleaning up their own rubbish and for not caring about the environment properly. And it's just not good enough from Billy. He's got to know better than that. What, what's wrong with that? I think it's just in a humorous take on the climate change issue that... Except they... the photo's not true. Oh, is He's it? fallen into the fake oh. news. Is that, is that a fact? Oh, yeah. you know I don't get to catch up with politics, Banjo. It's a fact that that's not a true photo. It's, it's propaganda. It's propaganda, yeah. Wait, is it actually fact? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I've been told it is. So By who? By Dan the fan. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> Oh, well, he didn't know that. He was just trying to have a laugh, Banjo. Are you, say, really are you, so, are you saying Billy Gowers is an omnipotent? omnipotent? No, what is that I, word? No. Omniscient. Yes, yes. No, I'm, I suppose he's not entirely perfect, Banjo. He was fed incorrect hey, information. Hey, 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 hey. He what? Was, he was fed incorrect information, but you're the one trying to be critical of Billy Gowers I'm not here. trying to be critical of Billy Gowers. I'm just saying Billy Gowers made a mistake. You're saying he doesn't have the abilities we've claimed he has. And with that, he's a far the worse The abilities thing to say. which I said was his ability to... Like, I'm saying he's not perfect, that he makes mistakes, and you're saying he makes mistakes, but no, I'm wrong for no, saying that. No, because you're, I'm saying he knowingly made a mistake. You're saying he ignorantly made a mistake. So, you're, so I'm saying that he made a mistake, and you're saying that he's a dickhead for getting it wrong. I think he's got bad judgment in this case. You think he has bad judgment? In this case. How dare you? In this case. How, he has, he, now, he, he may not be perfect, but he has perfect judgment, all right? <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? Is he a golden god or isn't he a golden god? What's a golden god? What I've called him about 50 billion times. That's what I'm trying <laughs> yeah, to define. He is a golden, He's a golden yes, god. he is a golden god. And a yes. golden god knows all. That's part of the thing. No. <laughs> yes, all right, all right. <laughs> if a golden god knows everything and he's a golden god, how did he not know that this was fake news? So what are you suggesting? I'm suggesting he made a blunder. And he's going to move on. He's going to become a better person, and he's not going to be a fascist. <laughs> a fascist. Oh, Banjo. I, I don't know, mate. I don't know. It's easy to fall down the fascist whirlpool by liking this kind of fake news. It's how they get you. I, I think we agreed if he's selected for round one next year, we continue with Billy Gower's watch. Yes. That's the Otherwise, agreement. Cam Zerhar watch. Did you no, know... we're not doing Cam Zerhar watch. It's Brian Myers' watch, all right? He had a great game this week. Did you know who got the most votes out of all Rising Star eligible players in the Brownlow? 
Grand Myers? No. Yes, I know who did, all right. Cam Zerha. Yes, it was Cam Zerha, all right. Cam, well Cam, done. Cam, I said it. Cam Zerha. Poochie's mailbag time, Banjo. <laughs> okay, let's take it away. Does Chris Scott try too hard in finals and cost his team every year? Why was Blixavs on the wing when Lynch was beating them forward? So we've answered the Blixavs part of it. Yes. Do you think he tinkers too much in finals? Oh, I don't know. It's it's all results-based, isn't it? I remember a final a couple of years ago when he radically changed the way they were playing to, against Sydney and that they just held possession and just didn't allow Sydney to play the contest game, which they like. And yeah, he was that was ab- awesome. <laughs> he was absolutely praised for his ability to change his game plan on game day and that he's, some co- he's one coach who is able to do that on, on game mm. day and that's a strength about Chris Scott. Things haven't worked out this final series I think overall he's a very, very good coach. So, no, I, I don't think so. To be honest, I don't think Geelong are that good, and I don't think they ever have been, and I think he's got a lot out of their list, to be honest. I think they might have been about 10, 8 years ago, but since then I agree they've been on the downward trend. don't think those three-time premiership teams weren't that good, Scott. Wait, yeah, no, I'm saying, I'm saying since, since his first premiership year, just I clar- guess. Just clarifying. Following that on, I, don't, I think his list has been dropping off quite a lot, and the fact that he's able to keep him in playing in preliminary finals is, is great. So I think, I think it's very unfair, the criticism mm. of Chris Scott at the moment. What you wouldn't do before. to have your team in a preliminary final. Banjo, who should the boar tag? The options given by, I assume, Pucci here are Dusty or Prestia, but you're allowed to add others to the mix if you'd like. Who, who would you have to bore tag, Banjo? Tom Lynch, no. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be Dusty. If Dusty's playing midfield and Dusty presumably will play midfield, it's got to be Dusty. I concur. I absolutely wholeheartedly concur. He's a far more damaging player than Prestia, yeah. so you have to take him out of the game. There's a possibility of Prestia getting 30 disposals and GWS still winning the game. There is not a possibility of Dusty getting 30 disposals and GWS winning the game. You have to take Dusty out of the game. Yeah, pretty much. Should Richmond play only one Ruckman against Mummy? Should the Ruckman be Big Ivan Soldo? Yes and yes. I'm going to say Banjo. I thought Soldo was much better than Nankervis on the weekend. That's a sneaky big story. Yeah, I don't think that the double Ruck... So much works for Richmond. I don't think the double Ruckman it really has. It made them look slow in the first half. It did. Their forward line didn't have the dynamic qualities it normally has. And I think that was one of the big reasons they couldn't really transition the ball effectively. And it's against, like, Reece Stanley and Mummy. Stan- They're not people you need to worry about. Stanley beat them for... Most of the day, yeah. or most of the night, so, he, he was on top. Big and then, the yeah, end. the only time in which it felt like that wasn't the case was when Soldo was in the ruck. Um, he really outplayed Nank. Um, I, yeah, I, I would probably go with the I Soldo. I feel like Soldo. Soldo is more likely to win a ruck battle and also to lose a ruck battle. So if you're playing a really good ruckman, I think it's probably safer to go with Nank because he's going to minimize the damage from the opposition ruckman. But against... Shane Mumford, who all he's doing is trying to bash and yeah. crash and he's not going to destroy limit you, yeah. the effectiveness of the opposition's hitouts. Play Soldo, see if he can't get generate something from the hitouts. I think he's definitely the most informed ruckman out of the two, and I, I just I, I don't think it works having the two spud ruckman. No, like, it'll be interesting to see if Nankovic gets back to his best next year because he's had a really interrupted. He's, he's never been that great. <laughs> no, but he's been a lot better than he's playing now. God, how frightening would it be if they had a good Ruckman? Yeah, yeah. don't trade the Max Gorn, Scott. 
Banjo, the AFL said that the arc was merely a complementary system and not meant to be the umpire after the mistake on the weekend. Does that make it the second biggest waste of money behind the Gold Coast? I resent that. I love the Gold Coast. Every second they exist, North Melbourne aren't on the Gold Coast. Uh, but yeah, this is rubbish, isn't it? Like They're not investing in appropriate cameras. They're still too blurry. The technology exists to make them not blurry, and they're just choosing not to have them. The Snicko thing's, I guess, a bit better, but they also need to better train the people in the box. Yeah, look, in fairness to the arc, there are a couple of really big moments in which you got it right during the, the same Sam game. Taylor, L, like the Sam Taylor, Elb, like the... I mean, how, how shocking would it have been if... Because that was payday goal by yeah. the goal umpire. If that was a goal, how shocking would that have been? So I, I still say, overall, we're better off having the arc than oh, not I having the I completely agree. I just think they but, need to yeah, they, do it... They need to properly do it. You don't half-ass something like this. It's a real shame because apart from that, I think it's been a big success this yeah. final series, but that's a big enough mistake that it looks like a failure now. Yeah. Let's hope there's not a bad one in the finals. <laughs> do you risk a 60% fit Canelio? I'll answer that in two ways. Firstly, I don't know. Like, no one knows how fit Canelio yeah. is. We can't answer that question. But my real answer is, I hope so. I really hope that Canelio plays. I just, as you know, he's one of my favourite players. He's an absolute star. He adds another X-Factor player. Mm. Um, really good story if you can get up for it. And if he's a chance to play, I think you give him a chance. He, he can play in a forward pocket and do a bloody good job there. I've seen him do it before. So... If he doesn't spend his whole time in the midfield, yeah, I'd, I'd give him every chance to play. Banjo. Yeah, he's their sixth best player. You've got to play him. Yeah, well, he's in their top six. We both agree <laughs> on. Banjo, who does Dylan Grimes play on? A tall like Cameron or Toby Green? I think he probably meant a small like Toby Green in that instance, not just, just yes, Toby Green. a tall like Cameron or a small like Toby Green, I think uh, is what I was trying to say. I think he has to go to a tall. I don't think they have a choice. Himmelberg, Finlayson and Cameron are all too dangerous to leave on. Your Broads, who's not guaranteed to play, and Vlostens. Asprey will take one of them and he'll do a good job because he's a fantastic footballer. He's a really solid key defender. But the next one in the chain has to be Grimes because they don't have enough hide back there to combat. GWS have a genuinely tall forward line. They're yeah. all mobile. If, like, what... Uh, Grimes needs to do to a small he still needs to do to Jeremy Cameron he, like, Jeremy Cameron is so fleet of foot that you can't just have a yeah he, he's just got so many ways to beat a defender you have to put Grimes on him that conversation really does put into perspective how dangerous that their forward line is yeah. like, you've got Cameron Himmelberg and Finlayson three tools and that's where a lot of your time will They've go into 150 and goals like, between them what's Toby Green going to be doing he might be playing forward he might spend some time yeah. in the midfield you've got and to keep Brett a Daniels real has been really good this final yeah. series it's, it's a real different forward line and a tough one for... Luckily, Hardwick's a very, very good coach. Mm, and they figure it out, they don't lose challenge. much. They don't lose much in mobility with those guys because even Finlayson's probably the most lumbering and he's really smooth mover. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a really tough forward line to deal with. But last question. Yep. Should the AFL extend Armagard's jurisdiction at the Brownlow next year to prevent Lockie Neal from getting robbed? Do you want to guess who asked this question? I don't know. It's, it's a tricky one. It's Brisbane-related, so I'm probably going to say it came from Dan Crowley. Am I right? Dan the fan did ask this. Uh, I would have liked to have seen Lockie Neal win it. You know, I'm happier with Fifey because, you know, he's 
Yeah, like my but favorite player. Lockie Neal did used to play for Frio, so you like yeah, him. Yeah, I really do like Lockie Neal, and he was in my fantasy team as well, so I would have liked to have seen he him. He just had it. too many one votes. Yeah, he did, didn't he? He Two basically votes. polled in just about yeah. every game, but he didn't get a lot of threes. And Fife had like 10 threes, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, Fife built his win on threes, that, and that's how you win a Brownlow. That's the difference in it, isn't it? But uh, yeah, no, I suppose he's a little bit stiff, Lockie Neal. He had and a pretty good year. That probably shows. Does ag- adequately describe what Lockie Neal is. A that's fair. He's always one of the best, but he's not. Yeah, that's he's, fair. he's not often the guy that's the out and out match winner. He's someone you build around, and Brisbane have done a fantastic job building around him. But he's not the X factor type player. Yeah, a lot of I the mean, super elite I mean, midfielders. You probably are. you got enough votes to win a Brownlow in some years, but there was yeah, a lot of votes. How many did he end up on? Twenty six, I think. Yeah, so that's, that's a fantastic. That's potentially year. Brownlow winning, so he could do it one day. But, uh, but it hasn't felt anywhere near that recently. The amount of votes you have to win is just skyrocketing. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, but uh, 10 best ons from Fife is a mm-hmm. pretty fair effort. And okay, we're going to go to battle situations with uh, unexpected handicaps. What? We've got one, do we? Uh, I thought we were a, out. We've got a submission from Kurt. Poochie sent his in, has he? He? Sent, <sighs> he sent one to me a while ago. Look at you taking over my I didn't know. I'm, uh, I'm happy about <laughs> it. I'm proud. I didn't know how long ago he'd sent it. I lost track of it. So I asked him, I begged, I desperately needed, about five minutes before we started, I said, I need a battle situation. What was the one you sent me? He said, I've forgotten. <laughs> oh, dear. Has so he, he sent me one? a different one. Oh, God, it's going to be terrible. Let's remember, I don't think it can get much worse than the one he sent originally. <laughs> so, even footing. Oh, this is going to be grim. Yep, go. So, Razor Ray Chamberlain. But he can only attack by throwing a razor when paying a free kick. Versus Daisy Thomas, who's six red wines deep and is forced to hold two wine bottles at all times. This is a very easy answer. <laughs> Wait, what, what do you mean? Say the Razor Ray one again. Razor Ray Chamberlain. Yes. Following so far. Yes, I know who he is, yes. And he can only attack by throwing a razor. I assume he means like the little square ones that are like ninja stars, not a shaving razor. Yeah, well, I don't know. It does, yeah. When paying a free kick. I assume he can play a free kick. That's the only way he's allowed to attack. Yeah. And why is he paying a free kick in a battle? I think he's allowed to pay a free kick whenever he wants. I think he just has to blow the whistle, hold the ball, razor attack. It's just like a method to his attacking. I don't know, but does that count as paying a free kick, just blowing a whistle? He's not actually paying a free kick. Well, no, he's got to say, holding the ball. He's got to do the whole thing. All right, I'll I'll read it charitably, and I'll accept that that was it. So his only attacking move is blowing a whistle and throwing a razor, pretty much. Yeah, and making wild, completely (laughs) arbitrary (laughs) gestures. And he's against Daisy Thomas, who is six red wines deep, and is forced to hold two wine bottles at all times. The two wine bottles yeah. is handy as. You can just bloody whack him over the head with the yeah, wine bottles. smash it. It's a weapon. Yeah, that's it's a massive advantage. It's a weapon anyway. That, that's an advantage. I mean, I suppose he's six wines deep. But, uh, you know, they, you can do lots of push-ups when you're drunk. Like, it's meant to make yeah, you a bit not at, stronger. Probably not at six wines. You're, you're a little past the peak for physical performance. Yeah, you know, that's you're not, not you're terrible. Not, you're not dead. You're, you're, no, you're, not you're in good condition, but you're not... You're not it's, you're not at peak push-ups condition. I, I reckon it would just make him a bit of a madman. And he's got a couple of wine bottles in his hand he'd mm. smash the shit out of Razor who's too busy blowing his whistle trying to throw razors nah da- Daisy easily I reckon yeah no I agree it's an easy answer yeah. good try Kurt no but it was quite amusing I, yeah. I don't mind it it was a bit different I appreciate that Poochie but anyway thanks for listening to the latest plebs on footy podcast we'll see you very intoxicated after the grand final next Woo! week